Welcome to the Seriously Social Podcast with your host, Simone Douglas. Our guest this episode is Elizabeth Williamson, who works as a relationship and family therapist. She and Simone chat about listening, learning through failure, and about dealing with conflicts and difficult conversations. Uh, So welcome to today's episode of the Seriously Social Podcast. I am very happy to be joined today by Elizabeth Williamson from Elizabeth Williamson Solutions. Thanks very much for coming in. My pleasure. Um, So Elizabeth, maybe for our audience to start off with, can you just give us a little bit of the story of how your career started and where Mm. you found yourself Mm. now? Well, it's been a curious journey. So I'm a social worker... um, and uh, and I'm a 60s child, mm-hmm. so I was a single child in the 60s when that didn't exist. So f- families and relationships always were very curious for me. They didn't mm-hmm. make sense. My yeah. family's pretty weird. Um, and I never thought I'd be a counsellor, which is what I a lot of the work I do now. Yeah. Um, and I don't like conflict, but I'm actually really good at getting in the middle of it. Ah, okay. So I've learned a lot from my mistakes, and that's sort yeah. of my mistakes have led me towards saying, oh, I'm never going to be a counsellor, and then finding it's what I do, it's my it's my state of flow, if you like. Yeah, nice. Uh, and then finding out the counselling is all about difficult conversations, yeah. difficult people, you know, our difficult internal mm-hmm. experiences, and that led me to get really interested in how to resolve conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, so I now work a lot with helping people with who have difficult people in their lives or need to have those difficult conversations that we avoid. Yeah. Or organisations that need to deal with uh, difficult circumstances or, or, you know, difficult environments, difficult people. So that's, that's my world now. You'd be in very high demand currently, I would have thought. I, I've found that I really love working with families. Yeah, I, I do a lot nice. of couples work. And yeah, I, I had okay. the privilege of studying directly with John and Julie Gottman, which is oh, one wow. masters. Yeah. yeah, I spent three years uh, doing the, studying with them, and I think it's. I've, I feel like I've learnt at the feet of masters. Some of whom are you know academic and well known, mm-hmm. and some of the people that I know and I watch them because I go, how do you do that? Mm. Because you do that so well, and I just. Um, copy yeah no, i think that that's often you know how how we learn best is by observing mm. people who seem to you know just be exceptional at whatever it is that they do mm. and, and and what we struggled you know when you struggle to learn something you really have to learn it yeah so um on the back of many of my errors come my strengths yeah no that absolutely makes sense i think mm. many many years ago i used to be very conflict avoidant like mm-hmm. Um, maybe in my 20s so my Mm. answer instead of having conflict was just to yell or to go no you will do this because I'm your boss off you go yeah which of course doesn't help anyone in the long run Mm -hmm. um but I I think too um one of the things that I'd be curious about is what once I worked out how to have positive conflict Mm -hmm. um and useful conversations that were still difficult and uncomfortable um, I still, like as a leader for a very long time, had the reputation from an outsider looking in as being very difficult to deal with. And if you were inside my team and part of my team, the exact opposite was was true. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. you know, the team would say, um, you know, no, her expectations are really clear. We know exactly where we stand. We know exactly how to communicate and what's involved. Um, but because I would actively go into bat for my team with people higher up the food chain their perception was she's really difficult and she's hard and she wants her own way and you know so um 
Do you think that there's a, like, how do you get to that happy medium where you're not so concerned with other people's perceptions Mm. because you know yourself what it is that you're doing? Do you think there's a bit of gender bias in that as well? Quite a bit. (laughs) You know, because I think women who are assertive and clear and succinct yeah. Uh, in in their approach uh, are seen as difficult, and men who do exactly the same thing are seen as direct and competent. Well, that's yeah, that's and very I think that's true. that's you know yeah. one thing I, I I have a program that I really love delivering, which is for women, which is yeah. step up, speak up, and it's how to oh. you know um, do exactly what you're saying, step up and deal with the reaction that you get because it's often going to be um, reactive. Yes. And if, you, if you're prepared for reactivity and you know what to do rather than often what we do is we, you know, we mirror yes. what we see and, or we complement it. So if you mirror it, you start to get reactive um, in your own response. Yeah. And if you're complementary, you get very defensive. Yeah. And that doesn't work either, over-explaining. Yeah, too much detail. Too much, and, then, and, of course, you give ammunition away to anybody else by giving them too much detail. Look, and I think absolutely in my 20s I did that. Like I used to manage mm. pubs um, for ALH groups. So it was a really big hotel mm. chain, and I was one of only two female venue managers at the time mm. and in my 20s. And so whilst I would get really good results, it was absolutely, I would defend my position to within an inch of its life because I felt like I had to, which was obviously an internal driver. But, you know, if I knew my area manager was coming out to have a meeting with me and they wanted to talk about budgets and performance, number one, they would tend to like pick on the tiniest thing that had slightly gone pear-shaped as opposed to going, well, actually, you smashed your sales budget and you made the bottom line profit. But they'd go, so this one line here where you've gone over in your expenses, that's unacceptable. Um, but I'd also find they would bring reinforcements. So they wouldn't come and see me all by themselves. They would bring, like, another area manager or somebody else with them to sit down. Um, and it took me a while to figure out that they were, were intimidated by mm. someone that was just in charge of their own world kind of thing. There's a really lovely book uh, by, uh, I think it's Heifowitz, and I can't think of the guy's name, um, Lovsky, I think it is, and mm-hmm. it's called um, Staying Alive Through the Dangers of Leadership. Oh. And it's a fantastic analysis of if you're a values-driven leader, yeah. which you sound like you were, yeah, very uh, much so. were then and are yeah. in your 20s, you're learning how to do yeah, it. Yeah, still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the 20s are all about being clumsy, aren't they? Yeah. We've just got to be graceful in hindsight in yeah. our 20s. Um, but it's about the it's all about the tactics that that work within organisations oh, wow. to derail values driven leadership because yeah. you know that's adaptive leadership mm. and people um, who want to protect their positions or their power are particularly you know will, will find strategies and one of them is um, to uh, fault find and and you know one of the skills is to is to know how to bring the conversation back yeah. and go how do I going to manage this. Yeah, you know, you don't lead, I do. Mm. Um, but again, it takes it takes a bit of coaching and a support to learn. Yeah, and, and, I, and failing enough times to learn. Yeah. Oh, that, this isn't working. I've got to yeah, do something absolutely. different. Absolutely. And yeah. I think too, like I said, in your twenties, you're still learning to trust your own judgment mm. to a degree, mm. um, and figuring out how to be a good let people leader. So, and we can, you know, I think we're so driven in our culture about very binary thinking. Right, wrong, good, yeah. bad, success, fail, that we miss and we don't teach mm. really flexible thinking skills. So yeah. that, um, you know, one of my rules, if, you, if you're if stuck with only either or, 
yeah. looking at solutions for problems, then I know you're in the wrong place. It's when you're about the fifth creative solution. So you start with, oh, I'll do this, it'll work, or that'll fail, and that I don't want to do. And you get about the fifth one, and then you get some creative thinking happening. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what good conflict skill management is all about. It's getting that broad perspective and creative thinking to go, oh, I could see this from a different angle. Absolutely. What, what is happening for this area manager that is so frightened yeah. that you could do, you know, that would just manage that for him? Yeah. Because he doesn't know how to do it. Yeah. He has to bring in a reinforcement. Well, no, and it's funnily enough, eventually I went to my mum who's a psychotherapist and I got oh, some yeah. advice because <laughs> I'm like, this is just painful. <laughs> you know, the, 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 number one, um, you know, they, he seems to feel the need to come and visit me every week, which is like, not normal and distracting from what I'm trying to do and number two it never goes well Mm. and so you know she um suggested that I start reaching out to him at least once a week and asking for advice on something and it was like the smallest little thing but I'd ring him up and I'd be like hi you know I'm just in the middle of doing some forward planning on my labor models and you know I've had a look at x y and z and I'm just wondering what are your thoughts around Mm. you know permanent part-time versus casual in the labor mix do you think that there's an opportunity there for saving or is it something I shouldn't waste my time on and you know they'd always have an opinion be like I think that's actually really informative I'm going to go away and integrate that into what I'm doing um you know it took about three months but then eventually they just stopped visiting me they were like oh just going to leave Simone to do her stuff. Yeah, I think there's an empathy that we really need to bring to uh, to, to conflicts and to relationships. Yeah. And I think that skill, uh, what I love teaching, is like, you know, I've got a table here and I try yeah. and get people, like a play, mm-hmm. you know, where are the characters in the story and can you imagine each person's motivation and need and see it from their point of view as well as your own. So yeah. you're trying to work on your own blind spot. Mm. You know, he obviously needed... To get to know you very well, but he needed to feel like he was leading you. Yeah, and he was just intimidated by your competence. And so yeah. once you reassured him that he was really important, yeah, and you know, probably spoke that masculine ego about giving advice. Yeah, yeah, um, he, he could relax. But we often struggle to do that. Yeah, well, um, and I think you know the default position too is like stop picking on me, mm. like and just piss off and leave me alone. Mm, but yes. I think too, there's that you can have conflict with like positive conflict without confrontation absolutely i love that term that's actually what term that i use i've got a six-step model that i've developed about working through conflict because i think we need to be you know see conflict as a positive human experience Mm. it drives us to change yeah it's inevitable Mm. it's transformative and if we're confident and careful and empathic and courageous Mm. we make wonderful things happen Absolutely. And when we avoid it, we entrench fear. Mm, yeah, and in doing that... And anger. Yeah, businesses constrict, mm. teams disassemble. Mm. So yeah. I have this philosophy of, you know, making more peace one conversation at a time. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. So when you look at um, it in terms of, say, you're going into like a business or an organisation mm. to look at their models for conflict, I mm. suppose, and how they do that, mm. Um, and dealing with difficult people, what are some of the simple things that, say, a business owner or a manager can do, not in, like, in the conversation itself, but in preparation for the conversation? What are some of the things? I worked with a a, a really large um, uh, recreational Mm organisation, right, who had a lot, have this, you know, they have staff who are skillful and they've got lots of junior staffs doing the sort of walking around and managing 
people in the pool or, mm-hmm. in, you know, so they had to really skill up. So, and I think it's really important to, to work with leaders first. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we, we, we really worked with them on was to get, get a shared leadership, a shared language, sorry, yeah. which meant that, and everyone took responsibility for stress. So yeah. you couldn't have a tantrum because you were stressed. You couldn't ah. avoid something because you were stressed. Yeah. But it was the le- manager's and leadership responsibility to help you manage your stress. Yeah. And then you had a personal responsibility to manage that yourself. So sharing yeah, that. You. So um, that gave people room to talk about difficult things yeah. and confide in and, and coach more. Mm. Um, one of the things that just – there was a, and it's, sometimes it's so simple – what – the staff on the floor gained was the ability to say really confidently, I'm sorry, but this is our policy. Mm. I understand you're disappointed, but this is our policy yeah, and nice. this is how we proceed. And because they had this really simple script yeah, to follow, um, to follow mm. and they knew they had that would work up the food chain, mm. they just reduced their conflict significantly. Yeah. And it was simple. So there's a lot of stuff to get there, mm, yeah, but it was absolutely. really that, co- it's that. I mean, it's also understanding that about ten percent of the population are conflict driven, so they won't cooperate. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And once you recognise, okay, ten percent—that's a significant number. It is a significant. Um, number. You need to be skillful in dealing with them. Yeah. And they won't respond to your, you know, general skills and yeah. general approaches to trying to resolve something. Yeah. So you have to be able to calm them Play down master. or manage them yeah. mm, without getting agitated yourself. Yeah, well, and it's funny you say that because, you know, certainly my business partner in a couple of my businesses, he, he and I are very similar. We're both quite dominant alpha personality types mm. um, and we had to come up with this shared language because we found that we were arguing for hours about something that was like... And then we get to the end of the conversation and go... Okay, so now we've both actually been saying exactly the same thing. It's just you want me to say it your way and I want you to say it my way, but we both agree ostensibly. So now we just say to each other, is this one of those hills? At which point, you know, he'll go, no, it's not one that I need to die on. I'll be like, okay, or I'll go, or he'll go, yes, actually it is. I'm like, okay, so, you know, if it it is one of those hills that you need to die on, Mm. can you now explain to me what it is about it that makes it a hill and it is about learning how to discuss compromise isn't it yeah. because what you're really doing is saying here's something that i here's my edge yeah it's about boundaries yeah which is another thing i i, I love to coach people about yeah. here's a boundary i can't cross because mm-hmm. something really fundamental or important mm-hmm. is um you know it, is that I need to either defend yeah. or would cost me something. Yeah. And here's where I'm negotiable. Mm. And often what we're doing in discussions is learning where that edge is. And as we get closer to it, we get more anxious. Yeah. More defensive. And we tend to dig our heels in, yeah. Yeah, dig your heels in because mm. you don't want to go there. Yeah. So learning about that as you're done with your partner mm. means you can give a clue. It's great to clue. Hey, this is getting into this territory mm. where we're both going to have to be um, a bit more aware of what what the conversation cost us. Yeah, and we might just slow down a bit. We might just pause and go. Yeah, why is this? Yeah, you know, so edgy for me. Yeah, yeah, and then find a way of talking about that. And my, and many people just don't have that have, skill and yeah. haven't been taught it. Well, yeah, because we don't get taught it, and in business school they don't teach it. No. They they teach old school negotiation one on one. Or, you know, like, um, it's really funny, actually, my now 13-year-old, when he was seven, uh, read the book, because just like here, I have a 
bookshelf at home I'm full sure of you business do, yeah. books. One of them is called How to Get What You Want Without Having to Ask. So it's like <laughs> effective negotiation. I think it was written, I forget when. That was his bedtime reading when he was seven because he took it off the bookshelf. He was adamant that this is what he wanted to read. And so, you know, I said to him, okay, that's fine. So we'll read a chapter a night and then we'll have a conversation about how that might apply in your life because obviously it's going to be about business examples and asking for a pay rise and God knows what else. Well, pocket money is important. Well, yeah, it is very much. <laughs> but um, so he has – he's in the Steiner stream at um, Trinity Gardens and he has this uh, teacher, Helen, who's amazing. Um, and I said to her, you know, we're about – three four days into this and I thought oh maybe I should give her the heads up and so I said oh you know Helen just letting you know Hunter is you know this is what we're doing for bedtime reading you may find he uses language that's not consistent with a seven-year-old's vocabulary you know if you have any questions at all let me know she goes that would explain why he asked if we could have a conversation about what a win-win outcome would look like um, (laughs) if he undertook the classwork that I asked him to do yesterday and I was like good job buddy but you know that's that model is not, um, you know, whilst that's, I think we've come a long way, mm. that's very, like, basic, mm. you know, prescriptive negotiation techniques, really, mm. it was. Mm. Um, but, you know, when are we going to teach people effectively? So, so my, I think, you know, it's historical. Mm. We are the generation after a generation that, um, you know, lived through sort of Vietnam, yeah. lived through the Second World War, the First mm-hmm. World War, and we are... I think, you know, if you think about time, we are in the present, the future, and, and, and the past, mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And most families are still working with models that are 50, 70 to 100 years old, particularly around trauma, mm-hmm. you know, think yeah. about, about um, or about uh, relationship skills, mm. because we, we do what we know. Yes. Until we have to learn something different, yeah. and we do it unconsciously. Mm-hmm. So we approach difficult conversations, difficult situations with our history and we rarely think forward very far into the future. What will the longer-term consequences of this be? Because we're trying to get a quick solution because we're so uncomfortable. Mm. It's like make it go away. Make it go away or you're responsible. You fix it for me. You know, it's not my fault. You fix it. Or if I say exactly what I think and I blow up, Mm. it'd be like a movie you'll go oh thank you for that criticism you've pointed out my flaws i'm now going to stop doing that <laughs> so you know we, we we proactively rehearse failure which yeah. is why so it's really important oh, yeah. to learn to that but actually you know, with couples with organizations with leadership we go into conflict we do exactly what we did last time yeah. you can predict it won't work but you still do it. And we work with negative confidence. We predict oh. that confidence is, not, is a skill, it's not yeah. an emotion. Yeah. So it's a predicting, predicting with reasonable success the outcome of your actions. Mm. And negative confidence is predicting with reasonable accuracy that this is going to fail. So we avoid That's conflict. It, because. Yeah. So what I like to teach is positive confidence, mm-hmm. like positive conflict. Yeah. If I do this and this, it's likely to lead in the direction that I want. Yeah. So in conflict, you have to know what you want. Mm. And you have to know what's reasonable to want rather than Just dominating yeah. or being submissive or yeah. giving up what's what's important that you shouldn't give up. Yeah. That, mm. I mean, and that's, I think, quite complex for most people because mm. we're, particularly as women, I think, we're taught not to ask for what we want. One of the problems, I think, culturally for women 
is we ask what we don't want because we're not allowed to ask what we want. So we negotiate from, look, I don't want this and I don't want this and I don't want this. And can you ah, stop doing that? Yeah. And I spend a lot of time coaching women to say, so what is it? Well, and actually people. Yeah. You know, what is it that you want? And people struggle. Yeah. Like in the mediation, people really struggle. What is it you really want? What yeah. You, what, you know, what is important? Mm. Well, I don't want this. No, I don't. We're not having conversations you don't want. You know, if I don't want yeah. to go to Victor Harbour, that does not help me no. tell you where to go, where yeah. to drive me. So what is it you want? And we don't spend enough time um, with the discomfort of working out what it is because, yeah. you know, we're caught up in the emotion yeah. and we're driven much more that than much more with that than with thinking, well, also, what do I want that might be useful for everybody? Yeah, exactly. As opposed to just me. Yeah. What's, what's actually going to contribute to a rich life around me yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or to the richness of people and better re- and our relationship continuing yeah. in a way that that i want in a way that you want mm. or if you're very difficult i need to manage you in a way that's possible yes is the yeah. other option i think um i find that interesting in that with the duke of brunswick for argument's sake so we're very strange and I like it that way because I'm very clear about and when, when um, Alex and I took on the pub, I was really clear that I want to do all the things that I was told I wasn't allowed to do in pubs because it wouldn't make me any money. And, yeah, I wanted to do them back then, mm. you know, mm. 13 years ago, but wasn't allowed to. So let's have a 100% gluten-free menu. Let's teach the staff how to, you know, speak conversational Auslan so that deaf people can get communicated oh, to in their own language. That. That's yeah. fantastic. We're actually Adelaide's um, only deaf-friendly pub. That is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I live with a disability, but I'm also on the board of uh, Access to Arts. Ah, okay. So, yeah. you know, we're always looking for accessible Yeah, well, we, we, That's we fantastic. the accessibility and inclusivity um, yeah. thing just as a community as a whole it's hugely important yeah it really is um but you know apparently it doesn't make you money it seems to make me some money so that's (laughs) fine um but what i worked out too is that by embracing all human beings so Mm. we have this story with the duke of brunswick which is the outside world doesn't matter here and so that's you know the staff the minute they walk through the door that's their one job is to make the customers feel like they've stepped into this safe space where who oh, they so are you enough. have an ethos oh absolutely and i yeah. not enough businesses can can actually i mean i think that's genius yeah so and, I, and that's one of the things that i like to work with is what is the ethos of your business because value statements are generic and boring yeah. and nobody gets them everyone's to be mm. honest and reliable and yeah. accountable but you know when you can put the ethos of your business into a statement that people are accountable for that is imaginative yeah uh, you ask people to actually Embrace it. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. So yeah. they, yeah, they help tell the story, mm. um, and and we're storytellers. That's, well, we are. That's yeah. where, and that's what conflict is about, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. When you tell a story about conflict, you are the centre hero of your conflict story. Yeah. And or you're the victim. Yeah. And, and you've got to get, to get past that. And we get to actually choose. <laughs> yeah. And everyone has that story, and they're all competing. Yeah. Absolutely. So to have this thing to come in where you know the outside world doesn't matter, and here is. Here is just right for you. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, we have this thing that um, who you are as a human being is mm. absolutely okay, mm. just as you mm. are, mm. and and so it creates a really nice work environment mm. for everybody as well. Mm. But I think um, what you were saying about being the hero of your conflict story um, is a really great thing to end on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, what do you find? So, with the people that you start working with. Mm. What's the default position that they start off in their in in their conflict stories, 
and how do you help where do you help them navigate to so I think most conflicts are driven over a battle of who's hurt the most. Uh-huh. So people yeah. compete, compete to be the victim. Yes. Yeah? Which means my pain is more important than your pain yeah. and we should be talking about my pain mm-hmm. and I don't want to listen to yours. So where do I start? Just start with listening. Yeah. And, and look, you know, it's, it's as old as how to win friends and influence people yeah, yeah. and as modern as neuroscience. Mm-hmm. But um, if... Uh, if when you're listening to someone, you can repeat back in their own words what you've heard. Yeah. They know you are listening, not just hearing. Mm. But the value, the, 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 the thing that I love, the, the most important thing is to validate whether you agree or not mm-hmm. with your position, Yeah. the other person's position. Mm-hmm. If I can go, I get, I get that's why you see things that way. Mm. That, that from your position that you would see this issue as the priority yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah. Produces trust. Yeah. And then we're not battling over hurt. Yeah. I get your pain. I'll tell you next about me. Yes. But I've just modelled exactly the way I want to talk to you, which is I will listen first in order to understand you and demonstrate it Mm -hmm. as a a gift. That I've heard you, yeah. I've heard you. Mm -hmm. And this is what lovemaking is in couples, by the way. Yeah. Um, But in in business, it's also about this is how I'm going to negotiate and I'm not shifting from this position. Yeah. So I'm inviting you in. And if you don't play that game, now I have a lot of information about how you do work. Yeah. And if I've got to manage someone who's conflict-driven, you've just, whatever you do next will give me a lot of information and... You know, if I've coached you, yeah. you'll know what, you'll know to, what do to do next. to manage exactly. someone who is not going to play by the rules. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much My for pleasure. joining me today. It's been a fabulous conversation. I could talk for hours, but I will get in trouble. Thank you for listening to the Seriously Social Podcast. See our website for more details at www.socialmediaaok.com.au slash podcast. Check the show notes for credits, music used in the program, and more details about our guests.